Well, why has this fallen to me? Because we do the best with the time that we have. Welcome to today's process. The Lord of the things. Stand up, push forward. Let's light the lantern. How does the husband entrepreneur escape the understory while still having a marriage that not just survives, but thrives in an environment where modern business is under attack? The fog of the understory covers everything, and we are surrounded by monsters and bandits. My name is Wade Skalski, the understory lawyer, and we will face them together as we build the classic American business. Admission to the understory is free but understanding always has a price. Let's light the lantern. What is up, husband entrepreneurs? Those of you who are in the understory against your will and those of you who are in the understory on purpose, Wade Skalski here, the understory lawyer. I am fired up to talk to you today. All right, so a couple things. Number one is that, let's start with my coffee before we get into the story of the day. So I get up every morning and I have, I put this new tropic called Ambition in my coffee. I'm not an affiliate. I actually tried to be an affiliate when I was doing my, when I had my uh, high IQ elite level marketing Frankenfunnel plan, which I had 6,000 things. I should, I, I should put up the, uh, I should put up the, the Mindmeister bubbles of uh, my plan. It was, it was, it was silly. It was just plain silly. But the good news for you is I go into the understory and I create all these things and uh, 99% of them are silly. And then I can just look at you and say, you know what? You don't need to do that. I already did that for you. It's not going to work. So anyway, so, um, but I, the, it's really good. So I'm not an affiliate for it. Maybe one day I'll, I'll, they'll send me a link or something, but it's really good. And uh, it has lion's mane in it and monk fruit and collagen. So my face looks so dewy. And, and anyway, so, I ran out of my, so I put the, this is my coffee now that I drink every morning while I'm talking to you, Yahoo's, is that I put this in Tropic in there and then I put in um, coffee creamer, like vanilla coffee, uh, vanilla coffee mate creamer and the powder, which is basically poison. And then the uh, Harris Teeter sells this um, coffee creamer, which is like sweet cream coffee creamer. And then I throw some of that in there. So it's not good for you. It's like it's it's whatever benefit you get from the monk fruit, right? You're drowning out with the the chemicals that you put in there. So I ran out of uh, coffee creamer of the coffee mate vanilla and I put in just raw sugar in there and it actually tastes a lot better. I was like, oh, okay. So now I get to I get to not I'm just not going to buy the poison anymore because it's it's just it's so good for you, but so bad. So good. Tastes so good when it hits the lips, but it's so bad for you. So I'm just going to put sugar in there because it actually tastes better. That's a giant win right there. So I get to cut out a carcinogen out of my, out of my life. So that's a win I'm going to let you know about. Sometimes you just discover things and then you go, oh, if you're, if you're aware a little bit of what you're doing in your life and you're a little bit present, you'll realize that the little change you just made is better than what you've been doing the whole time. And then you're like, oh, cause I wasn't asleep. Um, I'm not saying I'm like the most present. I'm not like Eckhart Tolle where I'm like, if I'm in the, if I'm in the traffic jam, there's no reason to be upset because there's being upset. There's nothing I can do about it. And so I will just sit there. And then if the wind blows on me, I will say, hello, wind. Hello, my friend. How are you today? And then the wind will talk back to me because I'm Eckhart Tolle and I talk to the wind, you know, something like that. I'm not like that, that guy, but I am. I am getting a little bit better with the passage of time and being present, like things like, oh yeah, my daughter's in kindergarten. She's going to be a teenager that's screaming at me, hating me soon. So uh, I, I don't really want to talk that into existence. So I'll just be like, oh, she'll be the nicest teenager ever. She'll be the most present exception teenager ever. But 
it kind of goes into this, this whole idea of being aware of what's going on around you. So anyway, so I, that's my coffee story for you this morning. It's kind of related. Not really. I'm not going to even attempt to tie it in too much because we're, we're going to do a little street James Joyce stream of consciousness this morning. And, uh, all right. So I start, so I ride, I ride my bike to work. I ride my bike. Uh, it helps keep my belly tight. I ride my bike. Um, and so the, one of the reasons I, there's a couple different reasons why I ride my bike. Right. And the best solutions to things are when you can have multi, that they accomplish multiple things. So number one is we have one car right now. We have Beatrix. When we moved here, um, I sold my truck, my Ford F-150, and it had 206,000 miles on it. And it was going to cost more to transport it than it was to sell it. Right. So. So in any event, so I sold my truck and I still still haven't got a car because uh, we just haven't been in a financial situation. One, we haven't really needed one. And then two, we haven't really been in a financial situation to kind of lay out for a car. Just been focused on too many other things and haven't really needed one. So um, but then my wife was like, listen, I don't want to take your ass to work every day. So why don't you ride your bike? And I was like, that's a great idea because that will help me keep the you know, lose weight, keep the weight off, get healthy and especially Listen, especially during this time of coronavirus and whatever else is coming down the pike next, because there's going to be something else, be it like a more virulent version of coronavirus because of the selective pressures that are uh, being this, the selective pressures that are being uh, placed upon the coronavirus. Uh, there's just more stuff coming down the pike, right? And so I better get myself healthy and in shape. So riding my bike accomplishes that. Also, there's no stress with the car because then it's just like. Kristen's car, she uses it. And uh, then I just ride my bike. And then also it kind of motivates me to like, when I get sick of riding my bike, like when it's really hot or really cold, I will be like, maybe I should go buy a truck. And so, but holding out as long as I can. And so, but the other thing about it is that you get, there's this some found time where you can, just like when you're driving a car, you can listen to something. So I've, for a while I was listening to Russell Brunson in the other day in the morning, cause I was in the high IQ lead level marketing world for a little bit. And then, well, for a little bit for four years. And then I was listening to Steve Larson and, and those guys are all valuable and, and they have a lot to say. And if you want to go into the high IQ elite level marketing world and, and play and muck around in there, go ahead. But part of the message today that I'm going to give you a little prediction is that that's all going away, by the way. And, um, and there's a few reasons why it's going to go away, but we'll go on that in a second. So I started to, to get, I really started to get burned out of listening to, um, you know, and then I just downshifted to my next most leverageable skills. So I was listening to Dan Kennedy's the ultimate sales letter and then and on audible and all of that good stuff. And I just kind of started to get my, my brain started to get burnt out on, on creating and consuming, um, stuff for the, for the purpose of business for commerce. So I was like, I'm going to do something fun. I'm going to go listen to the Lord of the Rings. I've never listened to it. And if you get a good, um, if you get a good like narrator, it's pretty cool. They can do different voices and it's a, it's a skill, man. It's like, that's why I don't know why. If you have a fiction book, I don't think you should have the author read the fiction book because it's very unlikely that he has those two skills of performance and uh, being able to write. So just like George Martin, I can just see George Martin trying to do uh, Game of Thrones. He just is like, it's all the same voice. Let's just put you to sleep. So, I started listening to Lord of the Rings because I was like, I just want to do something, something pulpy, right? Like something just entertainment. And I forgot that Lord of the Rings is basically it's 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 uh it's it's an it's an extremely dense book for for delivering like an entire philosophy, but doing it through entertainment. I mean, it's basically like, all right, it's going to be a commentary on good and evil, 
like a Nietzschean good and evil commentary, but it's going to be in, uh, you know, with dragons and elves and hobbits. And it's such a good two things. One, it's such a good lesson that is that so much of the nothing, there's no, there's nothing new under the sun, right? That's like, that's in the Bible. It's like everything always happens again and comes back over. And I think that nothing new under the sun is like maybe even like a Mesopotamian saying or something. It's been around for thousands of years. And, and so we've, you know, we, we, there's just different ways of saying the message. Like if you look at my podcast, I talk about the understory, which is basically just another term for purgatory, which is basically just like another term for an entrance into the underworld, which is basically something that's been in mythology since the beginning of time. So I'm just presenting to you an ancient, an ancient wisdom, an ancient truth, just in like modern language, putting my twist on it. So that some of you hooligans will hear it versus if you were to have to go out and actually take like a take like a humanities studies class on mythology, you know, or take a Jungian archetypes class. Like it's just, I'm just presenting things in a different way that I, that through my own method of communication and, and some of you will hear it and some of you will scoff and that's okay. Some of you scoff at Lord of the Rings. You're like, ah, oh, the elves. And that's just a bunch of pointy eared elves and ambi pamby elves. And I get it, but there's a lot of truth in that book. And I'm only in chapter two because it's a really long book. And I just listen to it and I write into work and write out to work. And that's just going to be what I'm going to listen to for the next month or however long it is. And, and so, but the thing is, is that it was, there's this, there's this passage in the very beginning where Frodo, where they're talking about the ring, right? And um, the book has been out for like 60 years and the movies have been out for like 20 years. And so this is a spoiler. There's no spoiler alerts. Okay. I, I talk about a lot of Gen X stuff and a lot of, um, you know, so I don't do spoiler alerts for movies from the eighties. I don't do spoiler alerts for movies from the fifties or I mean, uh, books from the fifties. So Anyway, in the story, Gandalf is talking to Frodo Baggins and he's they're ta- he's telling him the story of the ring and about how the ring, how um, Sauron was initially defeated by the elves and um, he fled and into, Mer- I think it was Mirkwood, right? I just listened to it yesterday. I already forgot. And he fled into Mirkwood and his, his spirit fled, even though he was physically defeated, his spirit fled and then it convalesced for like a really long time. And then now, now it has returned. You know, and that's why, and the, and the ring has fallen to Frodo and Frodo asks, well, I wish this time hadn't fallen upon me. Why is this time fallen upon me? And, and, um, Gandalf just says very, very matter of factly, I don't, I don't know why it has, but it has, and we must make, you know, we must do the best of the time that we can. Okay. And it's very, this, the Lord of the Rings was written after World War II or maybe was it during World War II? It was published after World War II, I think. But, you know, there's lots of things in there about evil and not, you know, and there's some people would say the orcs are the Nazis. I don't really care what they are. It's just, you know, we don't have to put a, we don't have to try to do like a, an analysis of who, who represented what, because that's kind of lazy, first of all, because then, you know, you're, if you try to say that, that the orcs represent like the Nazis, then you try to you get all convoluted about, well, but they did this and the Nazis did this and all that. Right. So don't even, I don't even get twisted and worry about that. But what I do talk about is I do think about how they can be representative of something that is a truth. And the truth about evil is this, is that the truth about evil is that when evil is defeated, it does go convalesce and then it returns. It, it, it never disappears. So we have this whole thing where when we're, when, when I was growing up and we would, in the history books, we would learn about things and we would learn about Nazism and we learn about communism, you know, communism killed a hundred million people and Nazis, Nazism killed like, you know, 25 million people in terms of the war and all that. And, 
and the Holocaust and all that. And it's a lot of people. But then we think to ourselves, well, we're learning about it. So we're elevated people. So we would never do that again. And the thing is, is that people are people. And I hate to break this to you, but the merry-go-round is about to stop. So we have been so lucky and so peaceful and so free for the last, you know, 50 what is it? 50 years, 60 years that we just think it's like this all the time. And our generation, you know, specifically like Gen X, basically we experienced kind of like the cold war with, with the Soviets. So we got a little bit of a taste of fear, but we never, we never got a big taste of large swaths of death. And, you know, now, and then the, every generation that came after us got less and less and less of, of the fear. And so then it just happened where there was like no fear and then everyone could adopt these ridiculous ideas that that are just, you know, put us all in a path of destruction <laughs> because they're like, there's nothing to fear. We can think whatever we want because there are no consequences because we've never experienced real existential fear in our life. Right. And I think that's why, like the Gen Xers are we 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 kind of we we remember the existential fear we had as children so that we know that there is a, there is possibly an evil boogeyman out there, even though we never directly had confrontation with him personally, most of us. And so I say that to you because the world, the evil is returning to the world, right? And it, it doesn't really matter what evil you want to call it, right? Like you can get existential about it and you can get religious about it and you can get political about it. You can, there's all different methods that you can attack it by, right? But all you need to know is that the merry-go-round is about to stop, is we've been riding this really cool merry-go-round. It's been in this park, amusement park. It's been great. We've all been having lots of fun. And and uh, and as, you know, the, the merry-go-round's on the center of the park. And then we can kind of see there's some smoke out in the edges. And we're like, oh, it's fine. The merry-go-round's still going around. But now we're, we're on this merry-go-round. And we're surrounded right outside, like t- 10 feet outside the merry-go-round. It's just there's there's like... These cast of characters of, of they were dressed up in their costumes, but some of their costumes are on fire and some of the buildings are on fire and there's fucking wild animals running around and we're still in the merry-go-round and we're like, okay, they can't, for some reason they can't get in here because the merry-go-round's going around. But once this thing stops, it's going to get real in the Whole Foods parking lot. And I was listening to the Lord of the Rings and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, the, the evil has, has done convalescing. It's, it is, it has gotten powerful again and it's come back out. And I tell you this because it's the truth, not because I'm trying to be, not because I'm trying to be like excitable, but it's just the truth. I need, you need to start preparing your mind for this. And the title of the episode is Lord of the Things. Well, cause one of the reasons is that we've been so obsessed with things and, and this isn't an anti-materialism, anti-materialism podcast, right? I'm pr- very pro, very pro money, right? Very pro fiat currency. And, uh, but what it is, is that, you know, we have been in, you know, everything has gone, everything has stepped away from the client, right? For a while, then we were the client, then we were into the customer. Now everyone's just in the end user. And that is just the thing. We've commoditized everything, including people. And when you do that, when you commoditize people, when people stop having the divine spark of divinity, when people start, when you start thinking about the collective versus the divine right of the the dignity of choice, when you start thinking about, well, you know, we're, you know, the power that we exert over people instead of the, the collective agreement of what's going to happen, things go sideways and things go south really, really, really fast. And uh, I tell you this because all the institutions that you are going to rely that you are relying upon are disintegrating. Now they're all going to disintegrate at different 
they're not all going to stop working at the same time. Okay. But they're all beginning to stop working. So like part of the, you know, one of the horses on the merry-go-round is going to stop and then the sled's going to start to fall, slide off the sled of the merry-go-round. And, and then, you know, different things in the merry-go-round are going to go wrong at a different thing before the entire engine just stops. And I don't, I don't have any idea what that's going to look like. I don't know how long it's going to take. I, all I know is that it's coming because we have all become the Lord of the things, right? We for, have forgotten about the individual. We have forgotten about the American values that make this country great. And America is the, America is the engine that keep the America is the engine of the world. And you may think that, oh, America is a colonial imperialism. And yeah, there's all you can always it's really easy to throw stones at things. But America is the only place in the world where freedom is the experiment of freedom is self-governing, self-governing rule exists. And that is about to stop in its current form. Now, that's not to say that we're not going to figure it out. We're not going to fix it. America always finds a way. But just like Pearl Harbor, it's like there's a giant slap in the face and a punch in the face. And then there's lots of death. And then America kind of writes the ship. So the only way that America writes a ship is there if there are enough people that still believe in the American ethos, there are enough people that still believe in the classic American values. And to me, the only way the only way for us to get out of this is that for and there's two poles to this solving this problem. Pole number one is that we have husband entrepreneurs build a classic American business. That's number one. But in order to do that, the husband entrepreneurs are going to have to build the classic American family. There, there must be as many classic American families building the classic American businesses as possible. And that is the best solution to getting us out of this problem. Now, does that mean that everyone, that everyone has to do that? No, because not everyone's going to be in a position to do that. There's, there's not the number of entrepreneurs in this country is not a hundred percent. So, but if you are married and you are a husband and uh, you have children preferred, but optional, um, children or something you can't control you you don't you know you don't just because you want them doesn't mean that you get them i get that so i went through three years of fertility so i understand the the i understand the precariousness of that um but but the idea of the idea of the classic american family building the classic american business is in my belief the only thing that's going to save this country and in fact save the world because the, yeah that's the that's the idea of freedom. That's the idea of the dignity of choice. That's the idea of the individual hacking it out in the frontier. And I tell you this because that concept is extremely powerful. Why do you think those two things have been under attack for so long? Why do you think that the dark forces that they always focus on destroying the family and they just, they focus on destroying the entrepreneurs and the small businesses? Well, because they're so they're extremely powerful because they give people plat a platform and influence and resources over their communities. And the communities can stand against the monolith. The communities can stand against the edicts that are given by kings on high. The communities can band together. That's like in the Lord of the Rings when the orcs and the elves and the humans come together and they band together against the, the dark Lord. Right. But right now, unfortunately, everyone's just following kind of the Lord of the things. And they're doing that. They're doing that in business. They're doing that. Um, they're just, everyone's so focused on these things that are just commodities. This whole idea of rights and privileges and power and, and it's all nonsense. It's all nonsense. It only exists because it, it, it rests on the foundation 
of the classic American business and the classic American family, which rests on Judeo-Christian values. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to, to buy into any of this at all. Remember, I always try to put things, there's, there's two sets of, when I'm looking at a problem, I, I look at it in two sets. I look at it in a metaphysical and a rational explanation and with enough perspective that always the answer is always the same thing to those two poles. Same. That's on a, that's on a macro level. On a micro level, it's the exact same. It's like, I look at, all right, what is the selfish reason I want, I want to do this. And then what is the altruistic reason I want to do this? And with enough perspective, those two things are always the same thing. So the two poles of the macro and the micro, the macro being the metaphysical reason versus the rational reason. And then the micro reason being the selfish reason versus the altruistic reason, those two poles with those two perspectives always give you the same answer with enough perspective. And so you don't have to be a religious person to understand what I'm telling you is that the idea of the dignity of choice, the idea of the individual, the idea of good and evil, and that we are in a story and you must pick a side. If you don't pick a side, then you pick the side of the dark inaction that aids the enemy. And so just like when Frodo says, well, why does this have to come to me? Why does it have to be in my time? Why, why, why can't, you know, my dad said he was so glad that he spent his life when he did, because he's, he, all of these things weren't swirling around him. He was able to build his family in the way that he wanted to. And his, you know, they just, my dad and my mom just, you know, they just had their like 57th wedding anniversary. And so my dad was very thankful and I, I, I understand that. I would have been thankful for that too, but that's not what I get. That's not what you get. Just like Frodo being like, well, why does this happen? Why does the ring have to fall to me? Well, why does this time have to fall to me? Why does this responsibility of building the classic American business and the classic American family fall to me? Well, it's just the time we're in brother. And this is not me being hyperbolic. This is not me trying to motivate you to go buy something. I don't even have anything to sell you yet. I don't have an offer to, to, to go ahead and put in front of you yet. I have 400 or 488 episodes because I knew I had to get on the microphone and start talking and do podcasts to discover, to discover what it is I'm supposed to be telling and what it is I'm supposed to be talking, what it is I'm supposed to be discovering. And this is it. I need to help people build the classic American business and I need to help Husband entrepreneurs build a classic American family. I'm not supposed to be a politician. I'm not supposed to be like a business tycoon. I'm not supposed to be a, you know, I'm not supposed to be like a church leader. I'm not supposed to be any of those things. I'm just supposed to be an entrepreneur, a husband entrepreneur building the classic American business and helping others do the same. I help move entrepreneurs towards their creative power. And I'm telling you this because the sooner that you realize you are, you are Frodo, you are Frodo that needs to go on a journey with this ring. And at the end of that journey, if enough of us go on together, there's a fellowship of the ring. It's not just one dude doing it. It's not just me sitting here doing it. It's not going to, it's not going to be enough. I need other guys to get off their asses and be like, all right, I'm done with the gin fizzes for now done with the escapist video games. I'm done with whatever pornography fantasizing about having a different wife, whatever it is for you, whatever your escapism is, you got to put that thing down. It's time to get moving. 
there is the time, the time of indecision is over. So my call to action for you in this podcast today is for that. You have to make two decisions and you have to decide where you stand. And you don't even have to be in America to do this. Like if you're, I have like 27 different people who live in, listen to me in 27 different countries. You can just decide right now that you're going to build a business and then you're going to build a strong family and, and you can call it whatever you want, but the values I call it the classic American family and the classic American business. We're going to need strong families and we're going to need strong, small businesses. And if we have enough of them, we can survive because they're so powerful. We don't need, we don't need half the country to do it. I don't know what the number is, but if we get enough of them, it'll be enough. And I truly believe that. I believe it enough to bet my whole life on it. You know, but there's no, there's no guarantee for me and my family that we're going to be able to support ourselves with this idea. I have no idea how many husband entrepreneurs are like, yes, I want to do that. And if they're, and here's the thing I'm betting my life on it because if I don't have enough people that do that, then we go down just like the country does. But I'm not willing to give up. I'm not willing to give up the idea of America yet. I'm not willing to give up the, the idea of the dignity of choice. I'm not willing to give up the divine spark in each individual for the collective to get absorbed. I'm not, I'm not willing to do that. I'm not willing to give up on that idea. Maybe you are, maybe you think it's good. Maybe you think what's happening is great. Maybe you think the, the order and tyranny that's spreading across the world, both in business and in politics and just in every facet and cult in the culture. And you think that's good. That's cool. Maybe you, maybe you think I'm crazy. Maybe you don't see it. That's fine. But the merry-go-round is about to stop and you're judging what's happening from being on the merry-go-round. And when that merry-go-round stops, it's going to get real ugly, real fast. So what I want you to do is take out your Ranger Field Journal. If you don't have a Ranger Field Journal, take out a regular journal. If you don't have a regular journal, go get one. You're going to need one from time to time. But for right now, take out your Unicorn Trapper Keeper from the fifth grade. And what I want you to do is just write down this. Will I join the fight? Will I commit to build the classic American business and build the classic American family? Just remember. There is no end if you stay in the path of understanding. All right, husband entrepreneurs. I know you want to escape the current understory that you're trapped in. I get it. I've been there. But in order to do that, you have to have a creative clearing, a place to stand, a place to make decisions in confidence and clarity. I'm not going to promise you some magical course or coach or codex or crypto, but I cannot help you if you do not raise your hand and say, I'm over here. You can do that by subscribing to my daily email list at understory.news. Raise your hand and say, let's get out of here together. The podcast has the philosophy, but the daily emails have the insight and innovations. Raise your hand. And let's light the lantern together. Subscribe to my daily email list at understory.news. The path of understanding does not end, but that does not mean that you cannot get to where you want to go. Subscribe to my daily email list at understory.news. Go light the lantern.